What does it actually mean to be a bad bitch? I'm your host, Valerie Martin, and if you're asking me, it means being fully alive, unstoppable, kicking ass at the things that light you up, and being permanently unavailable for the things that make you feel like shit. Whether you're a boss bitch business owner or just someone who goes hard on your personal and professional growth, buckle the fuck up and get ready to be inspired, challenged, and take action. Let's do this, boo. Welcome back to Bad Bitch Therapist Podcast. I did not hang my fancy backdrop if you're watching this on YouTube for this introduction because partially TBH, I was lazy. And also, I figured I'd show off my gear. I've got my Peloton tread over here and the bike behind me because I happen to bond with today's guest over our shared love of Peloton, and she has since joined my little women's accountability group with Pelotoners from all over the country, and that is super fun, unexpected little kismet there. And I will tell you more about our guest, Elise, in a few minutes after we do our little watching, reading, loving segment. So recently, I have been binging the show Younger, and I do not binge shows. It's like very uncharacteristic of me, but especially this weekend, my husband's been gone on a guy's trip, and I'm just like constantly watching the show, carrying it around on my phone with me as I'm like doing chores around the house. I can't believe it took me so long to watch this. At one point a year or two ago, I think I tried to watch the first episode and I just didn't get into it. But you know, some shows you got to give it a few episodes. It's so good. I'm like delayed fangirling over Sutton Foster, who's the star, because I actually got to see her last year in The Music Man on Broadway. So can't recommend it enough. So good. It was on between, I think, like 2015 and 2021 and is on Hulu now. I am reading a book called 10X is Easier Than 2X by Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy. And I've also been binging that today. I'm like having a binge day, at least on content. And it is so good. I'm like halfway through the book. I've been going back between Kindle and audio and just super inspired to really look at nonlinear sort of quantum leaps and what is, how do we actually step into that? So I will probably, once I finish the book and really start implementing more things, share about that here on the pod or on an Instagram live. So stay tuned on that. Excellent book. And I'm loving a little beverage company called Kin Euphorics, K-I-N Euphorics. They make a couple of sort of mocktail or non-alcoholic spirits that are in glass bottles. And then they also make little pre-mixed cans. I've tried a couple of the cans, one called Spritz, which so good, bitter, little bit of caffeine, just super tasty, really tastes like a cocktail. And then Bloom, which is more floral. And I just really enjoy them. I do also drink cocktails with alcohol, but a lot of times I really like to have the option without. And Kin Euphorics has that kind of some adaptogenics that I can't ever quite tell with CBD beverages and things like that. Like, am I actually feeling something? Is it is it just psychosomatic? But it's delicious, especially the spritz. Okay, so let me tell you about Elise 
Freda Cologne. She is a therapist and private practice in New York State, and she is a coach for women who are tired of dating assholes. I was like, you have me right there. Like, please come on the pod. <laughs> and she's a coach for people-pleasing women who spend way too much time lying awake worrying. Yep, I think a lot of y'all are raising your hands out there. I get it. I've been there too. She is an avid indoor cycling fan. Hashtag one Peloton, an organizing guru, and loves all things sparkly. I feel like Elise, you'll be able to tell in this interview, just like soul sister. I'm so glad. Sometimes I think if the only reason I have this podcast is to meet amazing people like Elise, it is worth it. <laughs> you can find Elise online at coachingwithelise.com. That is A-L-Y-S-E. That will be in the show notes or at afctherapy.com if you're in New York State. You can also follow her on Instagram at Coaching with Elise and AFC Therapy, and on TikTok at Coaching with Elise. And you can get her free dating checklist at coachingwithelise.com slash free dash dating dash checklist. And all that will be in the show notes. Enjoy this conversation with Elise Freda Cologne. Elise, thank you for joining me for this conversation. I'm super excited. Thank you for having me. So excited myself. Yeah. And you're in New York state, right? It's New York. So I literally, I looked at your like office address earlier and I had to look at it on a map because I do not know anything about the geography of New York state. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I think I have sort of a sense like near Long Island, right? On Long Island. On, on Long Island. Island. Okay. And had an hour outside of Manhattan. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> What does it mean to you to be a bad bitch? I would say a bad bitch is a woman who has a very clearly defined sense of who she is mm. and is unapologetic about who she is, leads with that bold energy unapologetically. Love that. Amen. Yes. <laughs> and and as much as, you know, that's kind of the a big part of what I am wanting to support women and in stepping into, I think your intentions are very similar in your work that you do, maybe a little more specifically applied to dating, which we're going to talk all about. How did you choose that as sort of your area of focus? Well, there are actually two areas that I focus on. One of okay. which is dating, and the other is about women who define themselves as people pleasers and who can't say no to people and find that they are always frantically trying to avoid anyone thinking anything bad about them or, or anyone being mm. angry, disappointed or anything. So a lot of it is is more about women kind of assuming control of their lives, of letting go of the need for people to think a certain way about them, to be liked by people. And I think that that is applicable in both the dating piece sure. as well as in just the you know, women stepping into their power piece. Yes. The dating came from being a therapist for, let's just say a long time, <laughs> and having so, so many women have so many of the same experiences where they would talk about the same dating issues they were having. I would see a lot of them making the same kind of mistakes or missteps. Mm -hmm. And 
I found myself almost wanting to gather them together. Like, you know what, let's just all sit down together and let's kind of hash this out and you can all learn from each other. And this way we don't have to reinvent the wheel over and over again. Mm. So it sort of accidentally came about by just having so many clients who were young women having these same struggles. And I started to sort of jot down what were the themes that I was seeing. And a lot of the same stuff kept coming up. Mm. Um, A lot of it really being women not having a clear idea about what they were looking for, just sort of on the app, just like, oh, he's cute. Oh, no, he's too short. Oh, no, I don't like his hair color. And like, well, wait a minute. What what is do you even know what you're looking for and what you're not looking for? So I started creating this program that really helps women to get a lot of clarity around the specific characteristics they're looking for in a partner and the characteristics they are absolutely not looking for in a partner, and then start to implement more of a a purposeful strategy in dating as opposed to just, let's just see what happens. Yes. I love that because, you know, sure. Let's see what happens. It can always be there in, in your back pocket in terms of like, oh, I just ran into this person. But before you say yes to a date with that person, like the spontaneity and meeting people is great if that ever happens outside of apps anymore. But but there was some TED talk. I'm going to have to look up who it was by because I forget, but I'll try to put it in the show notes. And she was talking about how partner selection just gets sort of overlooked in terms of relationship happiness and success. It's like we talk about like once we're in the relationship, how do we try to do better, you know, with our communication and all of that stuff, but choosing the right person and not to say that it's by any means one person or one soulmate or anything like that, but choosing a partner and like you're saying, being clear on what are those things that are sort of non-negotiables, deal breakers, nice to haves, all of that being, how do I know if I'm settling versus how do I know if I'm being too picky? Like all of that is such a critical part of the conversation. It absolutely is. And and also kind of in that same vein, somewhere along the way, people, maybe with the advent of dating apps, started to feel like they can order up a partner the way they would order, (laughs) seriously, custom made. Like, well, I would (laughs) like him to look like this and I would like him to have this. And then I would like, and I always joke, a half joke, not even joke, that if I was on a dating app and met my husband, like now we met before dating apps, I would never have matched with him. I would have gone right <laughs> past him. Think about seriously. He loves sure. camping. He loves mountain biking. He only listens to the Grateful Dead. I'm like, I would have been like, nope, nope. But you don't have to be searching for a carbon copy of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. I only listen to 70s music, right? Okay. I don't need a partner who only listens to 70s music. Right. Mm -hmm. And but sometimes I think people get tripped up with that feeling like I'm looking for someone who likes the same things I do, who is like me. We need to have the same interests. And and I think they're missing out on a lot of potential opportunities because you don't have to be just like the person you end up with. There needs to be a complementary component to it. But you're not supposed to be searching for you out there, you know? Right, exactly. And knowing which things are actually perfectly fine to settle for. Like, like similarly, you know, my husband's big into not like all sports stuff, but all the Vanderbilt sports and some of the others. And I'm just like, I literally could not care less. But 
that is not a variable that I care about, right? And so knowing which variables really matter and which don't, and that you're right that, you know, a lot of the the way these things might sort of, if we're just looking at the 10 bullet points on paper, we might rule someone out for the wrong reasons and not get to meet someone else who could be great. Right. And there's nothing wrong with, I'm going to be going for a walk while you are watching your sports. Have fun. See you later. Right? Yeah, because that's half the problem. I'm super passionate about like the fact that I think people are way up in e- too too much up in each other's butts in their relationships. <laughs> like even whether high conflict couples or people who seem to be very close, they're often so enmeshed and don't even realize it. And so that like healthy differentiation in relationships is actually key. Having your own full lives as an individual, right? And deciding what, you know, when you say settling, that's always an issue, you know, like, what should you settle for? And when you're talking about an issue like, like, you know, in my relationship, like, I, I hate camping, I don't want to be outdoors, I'd like a mattress, I don't want, I don't want bugs, I don't like any of that. So to me, that's just, you know, what? you go camping, have fun, I'll see you <laughs> at the weekend. But if it's about should we have children, that's an issue right. that you need to get, you know, more on the same page about. So you need to start, I think that women need to start thinking about what are those things that are most important to me. And really, I have them actually in a in a, a free secret weapon dating guide that I offer. Really think about that and, and put them in order of importance, right? Mm-hmm. And then we break it down into the top three or, or what are those must-haves and what are the deal breakers? What will you absolutely not settle for? And for everyone, it's going to be different. And whatever your things are, that's fine. They're your yep. things, but you got to go in with a plan. And it can't just be, oh, I don't like his, I don't like his hair color. So I'm going to swipe. I like, but come on, really? Is that right? Is that, you're going to judge the person by that one photo. It just seems so not strategic. And it's a com it, it commoditizes people in this way that just feels so icky. Like my husband and I did actually meet online. 11 years ago, but it was, you know, I'm always like, well, the algorithms that work are the ones that are help, you know, actually taking into account what variables you're telling it are important, which ones are not. Those still exist, but they're not the most common, you know, apps or whatever. But yeah, it's just knowing what those are and being willing to kind of do that sifting process on the front end is super important and doesn't, especially in these modern apps, like isn't really happening. I'm interrupting the pod very briefly for a quick message about how to work with me. If you enjoy this podcast, then we would probably be a great fit working together. I would love to support you, whether you are a leader, a business owner, or just someone who wants to crush some of your goals over the next few months. Let's talk. I have several programs and would love to tell you more about them and learn what you are wanting to work toward. You can shoot me a DM, an email, find me online at badbitchtherapist.co. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah. And I think that one of the problems that I've also seen over the years develop as apps have become kind of more the way people meet is that this this idea of settling has come to mean like if I if this person doesn't have everything that I'm looking for, if I just hold out, maybe the neck, maybe the, that person's out there. So it's almost like gambling yeah. or something. We're like, all right, I didn't hit it this time, but this one's nice. I like her, but what if there's somebody better? I'm even more yeah. compatible. And so it's this, this never ending search for this, 
you know, this perfect soulmate, which I think is complete bullshit. I don't believe Mm -hmm. that at all, but like that this one person is out there. If only I could just find them. And if I keep looking, maybe I will. And so no one's ever quite good enough because you're searching for something that probably doesn't exist. Yes. And I will say that a book that was a game changer for me that I wish I had read years earlier is Lori Gottlieb's book, oh, Marry Him. Marry Him. The, oh the my God. I just look preacher. From enough, I love that book. Yes. <laughs> because it helps to me, what it did is like it helped me shift the language and the framing around quote unquote settling and recognizing like exactly what you're saying. Like if we are doing the opposite of we think we're just trying to not settle but what we're really doing is holding out for this mythical partner who is perfect for me in every single way you're probably going to pass up a lot of really great guys in the meantime absolutely i love that book so much and i gotta say also and the, the men who are let's say not that photogenic right not everybody takes a great photo okay but it feels like this is the thing that this is the criteria. This is what we're judging, right? This this photo yeah. like that, no way. And like you've just like they're people. These are people yeah. that you're swiping past. And are you giving them a fair shake? And it's you know if someone doesn't have the most photogenic face, mm-hmm. okay. But this person could be fantastic in a million ways. You will never know if that is the only thing you're going by. So, like at least make an effort to try to get to know who is that person here, right? Exactly. Okay. So before we leave the dating subject, mm-hmm. using your your free guide is like, sounds like a really good place to start with people who are looking to get clearer on, I want to be really intentional about my partner choice. And that doesn't mean unrealistic, but intentional. As far as the stop dating assholes, <laughs> topic goes. I know that that is a whole like deep dive. And if people are really looking for some big transformation in that area, they can look into that program. But for someone who might be listening and is just like, well, that sounds really nice, Elise, but the assholes, like I don't even, maybe I don't realize they're an asshole until we're a year into dating or they just keep finding me or I know that it's not good for me, but like those are the people that I seem to be drawn to. I wonder if you just have like a nugget or two that would be sort of a good starting point or food for thought as to kind of give that woman some hope that there could be something different. Absolutely. Yeah. I would ask that woman to do a little reflecting on her dating history, right? Something I hear a lot is I'm just not, I just not drawn to the nice guys. I'm just not attracted to them. Mm. I'm just attracted to the bad boys or this attraction, this kind of subjective term of what I'm attracted to. I think sometimes women look at that as an indicator that that is the person they're supposed to be with. But oftentimes that chemical reaction, that that chemistry, that attraction can be a warning sign that you are misinterpreting. And that if you know, let's say, I am drawn to bad boys, code for emotionally unavailable or keep me guessing or whatever, that instead of using I'm attracted to that as the reason you continue to pursue people like that, you say, oh, I've seen this movie before. And that I know this doesn't work for me. So I am going to kind of go against what my, you know, my kind of instinct is telling me to do and make a different choice because I don't want to keep repeating that same pattern. You always have to look at what are you drawn to? What is it about 
you know, I, I, I say asshole almost in jest, but it's, you know, women are saying, I keep meeting guys who are not what I'm looking for, who, yeah. who don't treat me well. Right. Okay. So what is it that you are drawn to that you're having this pattern over and over again? And do you see any commonalities that can be avoided, which then mm-hmm. gets also into the strategy of dating as opposed to just, he looks really cute. Right. Right. I love all of that. Yeah. And and I completely agree with the fact that like sometimes when you're working on changing that pattern, this is a, an example of why we're we're not meant to lead with our emotions necessarily, right? That there's this like kind of languaging now around like, you know, leaning into your emotions and trusting your instincts and like I don't know, that's why I like the idea of wise mind, right? Because wise mind can honor the emotional mind, but also it's bringing in logic and rationale. And that's like my wise adult self, because I don't want my 17 year old to decide who (laughs) I'm dating or marrying, right? (laughs) Like she should not be in the driver's seat on that one. So we can honor that. But also, like you're saying, maybe the guy, you know, the the friend of a friend who you're like, I mean, he's fine, but like, he's not, I'm not like drawn to him. Like there's no like instant chemistry maybe it's worth a shot. Maybe it's worth a date. And maybe it's worth a few dates of like giving yourself the time, slow burn, like don't rule it out immediately because just because that's not what you're drawn to, you're creating new patterns. And the the guy where it's the flashing red lights, it's like, slow down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The giving it a few dates, I always recommend because I, I don't think that you can necessarily do a thorough assessment in one day. You're getting to know the person. That's the other thing. I also encourage women to really stop treating dating like a date, like a job interview, where it's like a list mm. of questions. You know, it's just just get to know, just chat. Connect. Mm-hmm. The person, get to know them, see how you feel. But I sense in a lot of women a, a pressure, in ter- whether it's societal yeah. or the pressure of of time, like, I got to hurry up. I got to meet somebody because then we got a date and then we got to get engaged and then we got to get married. And I want to have kids. And, and, and so he's got to be the right one. And so then it's like, yeah. you're not necessarily making clear headed decisions. Sometimes it comes from a place of desperation or I got to get this done already. So let's just, let's just go, even though it doesn't feel right. I'm, I'm going to have to figure out how to make this work. Yeah. And that's yeah. And one thing I want to just acknowledge too is like, you know, the the shorthand that we've been using, the examples are pretty heteronormative, but obviously it's so interesting in, you know, the queer dating world because obviously so many of the same concepts will apply. Like, you know, we can be attracted to assholes of any, any, mm-hmm. any gender, any size and shape, any color, but there are sometimes the unique elements of being like in a lesbian relationship or in, you know, like whatever in a gay relationship, there's all kinds of unique elements that come into that. So I'm curious, like, have you ever had people in that program who are queer and do they, do they seem to like resonate with the topics as much? I haven't yet as I'm new to launching the coaching program. And I don't have a ton of experience with that yep. population in my practice. It just isn't how it sort of shaked out. Yep. But I have spoken to a few people who have said, oh, okay, if they identify, I get that this makes sense to me. So yeah. I think a universal, universal. experience. Mm-hmm. And even with the stop dating assholes, you, I mean, you can apply that to a larger scale that let's say it's even women who are attracted to friends 
who yes. are not necessarily good for them or who boss them yeah. around or make them feel like shit about themselves or like exploring what you're drawn to in relationships in general, yes. what works for you and what doesn't and how to kind of clear out the clutter and be a bad bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which that also, you know, starts to translate to the, are you mad at me kind of stuff, right? Gosh, it's, that's, that's something I've kind of toyed with like specializing in is female friendship because it is just, it's so hard, so hard to find and keep great female friends. And then some of the things that we do to keep these friendships going that, you know, we don't have the breakup language and norms that we do in romantic relationships. And so it's just rife with all kinds of challenges and one of the most beautiful things that you can experience. So yeah, the I, I love that idea of the, are you mad at me? And I'm curious, kind of the same question, like if there's like a starting point that someone is is like, yep, that's me, like always walking around, replaying every interaction I'm having, like ruminating, always worrying whether it's rejection sensitivity or whatever people want to call it. And I'm curious too what you think of the idea, the term codependency, but what what would be sort of a starting place for that person to to put a foot into the work? You mean to identify whether or not they they fall under this category? Well, I think a lot of people who do know that they do, and they're just like, oh, but this is just how I am. I don't know how to be any other way, right? So let's say, okay, so this, I mean, I'll hear something, you know, very similar to this so often. Mm. So I went to school today to pick up my daughter and this mom that I know, I said hi, and she didn't even smile back. So I I, I can't, I can't get it out of my head. And what did I do? And, and she must right. be- she must hate me. And I, and should, do you think I should call her? I'm not sure what, what maybe I upset her. Did I say something stupid? I, I don't know. And then mm-hmm. it becomes this, this spiral. Right. And, you know, so process that, but I always come back to, okay, what, what evidence do you have that you have offended this woman? Right. All you know is you said hello and she walked by. This is, these are the facts. An entire story and narrative uh-huh. now been created, right but coming back to what do we know for sure and what else could account for someone's behavior what else could account for her walking by right yeah as opposed to personalizing it internalizing it mm-hmm. i did something wrong and now i'm going to perseverate about this for the next three days yep yeah good old cognitive distortion <laughs> and reframing and <laughs> absolutely right because um, i always say like our minds are like untrained dogs, right? So they will just run amok off the leash, like just running down any trail that seems potentially like intriguing, right? So this trail that, oh my God, what what this woman hates me. It's a very intriguing trail, but it's also very miserable, right? Is it helping you to go? It's even more so than how can you know 100% sure that it's true or not true? No, but is it helpful to perseverate and ruminate in that? No. Okay. So how do I make a different choice? Even if I can't completely eliminate that uncertainty that there might be something there, how can I make room for the uncertainty and unhook from that? And how do you get okay? So let's imagine your, your worst case scenario is that this woman doesn't like you. Let's just imagine. Okay. And we have confirmation and you've called her and said, Hey, do you like me? And she said, no. (laughs) Right. Okay. 
how are you going to get okay with the fact that this person doesn't like you? And there's Ugh. nothing you can do about it. I know. I know, right? Yeah. Torture. But that idea is so terrifying to so many women that I have met over the years who want to control the narrative. But, but I don't understand why she, she doesn't like you. Why, why can't you understand that? And why do you need to change <laughs> Right. And the frustrating thing is, sure, her reasons for not liking you might be stupid. They might be based in erroneous, you know, misinterpretations of things or complete, you know, unfacts like Uh that, that, that might be the case. However, it's very unlikely that you digging your little hole over here is going to change that. And that was like one of my most painful growing edges as an adult is like, there have been these handful of women over the years and often in professional settings who just decided they didn't like me and never, you know, overtly necessarily said, but like made it clear. And oh my gosh, like the amount of turmoil that I would sort of put myself through with like, why? And can I fix it? And maybe I should try again. Maybe I should reach out and set a coffee date. I'm like, girl, they don't want to be your friend. Why do you want to be their friend? Because you need everyone to like you. Oh my God, which is just not a good plan. <laughs> but it is pervasive and it is fairly consistent with yeah. many, many of the people that I speak to. And I get it, you know, it's especially yeah. if you don't even understand why someone wouldn't like you. Right. But I really love for women to be able to embrace the idea that I am not everyone's cup of tea and that is okay. And they don't have to like me. How freeing would that be, Right. Exactly. And that goes back to like being unapologetic is I could be vanilla. I could be the most vanilla person and maybe 90% of people will like me. There's still going to be that 10% or whatever. That's like, just for whatever reason, does she's too vanilla the way way my face looks? I don't know. Right. (laughs) But you know, then I'm missing out on the opportunity to go really deep and I'm always having to mask and contort and just who who am I even at that point? So I agree. It's like figuring out which type of tea you are and just being your type of tea because some people are going to love it and great and others can just pass on it. And that's fine. But you need to know who you are. And I, I always want women to to really own like, who are you? What do you like? What don't you like? You know, what are you good at? What do you be who you are, not who you think someone else wants you to be. I always I always use this example that I'm a I'm an avid reader. I read a ton and I've been asked to join book clubs and I don't like talking about books and I don't particularly want to hear anybody else's opinion about books. So for a long time though I felt like well I should and they asked me and yeah I'm a reader shouldn't I want to be in a book club? And it's so antisocial and maybe I should just do it even though I don't want to. And finally one day I'm like, you know what? No, I don't want, no, I I don't join book. Thank you very much. But I'm just, it's not my thing. Mm. My gosh, how freeing is that? I did the same thing with games, like tabletop games. I mean, I don't know like how, if in your social circles, how that goes. Sorry in the evenings. (laughs) Well, I mean, no, like these really complex like strategy games, it's like all the rage with the the elder millennials and the and the you know Gen Z, and I just it stresses me out 
like I will get, start to have panic if I'm playing. I'm like, why would I do this for fun? And it, my husband's super into it. A lot of our friends are super into it. So eventually, like over time, I just got more and more comfortable just owning it and being like, y'all go enjoy your game night. I am so uninterested. In fact, I would have the opposite of a good time by joining. <laughs> I love it though. I love it that you own it, right? This is, and I'm not apologizing for it. I'm not changing yeah. it. This I'm is not my- asking you to not do it. <laughs> Go have fun with your risk or your life or whatever it is you yeah. play. Yeah. Settlers <laughs> of, I mean, settlers of Katana's child's play compared to these games. I'm just like, I don't know how this is fun, but enjoy yourselves. And then of course there's a, a shared interest that we just discovered because you asked me before we press record what shirt I was wearing. We're both big Peloton people and me trying to get my husband into like the Peloton stuff over the past few years. He's not totally averse to it and he's done some, he's doing more runs, but it's just like, you know, I'm not going to push him into that any more than he's trying to push me into gaming. And that's fine. The fourth thing, actually, oh my gosh, look at this. So I have my keys here. Look. Yes. Ah! (laughs) For anyone who's not watching on video, it's a keychain that says I'm in a cult and it has a Peloton bike in the middle. I think that's hilarious because I think things like that, like people will joke about them being cult. And of course it's like, it is a joke. It's not a literal cult, but I, I just, I love fandom. I love fandom. And so the fact that like, I'm not into, you know, anime or Comic-Con kind of like the stuff that a lot of people think of with fandom. I'm like, I have that with my Peloton crew. It's great. It is awesome. My sister and I talk, I'm going to say daily about which ride we took and yep. what the music was like and recommend rides. And and really, it's a, a daily topic of conversation. I love it so much. Go off. So before we start to wrap up, is there anything else that you want to make sure that you get to or share or just feeling passionate to talk about today? I want women to get comfortable being who they are. I really do. And, and, you know, quirks and all. And sometimes I'll say to a woman that I'm working with, like, tell me five things about you that someone might not, most interesting things about you you can think of. Tell me what they are. How many people sit there like, I don't know. (laughs) You know, who are you? Tell me something that, that most people don't know about you. A fun fact. Get to know who you are. And the things that you don't like or that you're not good at, own them. I have zero sense of direction. Zero. Yeah. I own it. I own it. GPS came along at a great time. Problem solved. I suck at directions. Don't tell me about north and west. Just (laughs) tell me when I've gone too far and where to, right? Own it. Don't apologize for any of your idiosyncrasies, your quirks, and what makes you who you are, just be fully you Mm. and embrace it. I love that. And I think along with that, there's sometimes this feeling, especially because the people that we see out there that like are famous or pseudo famous in this world of like influencers and all of that is we see these people who have these, maybe what we determine as very interesting, unique stories. They're special in some way. And, and I think this like this desire to feel special on one hand is very human. We want to matter. Right. And that's what, you know, bottom line, we want to matter. We want to feel like we're important and worthy. 
But when that translates to like, well, I'm not special enough, like fuck that, right? Because it's it's really owning yourself. And sure, if you feel like you're not engaging in anything outside of like your job and watching a show, go and make yourself a little more three-dimensional. Find the things that light you up. But it's not about like, well, you're just, you don't have any like major, you know, trauma that makes your life interesting. And you don't have any like, skill that you're like a, you know, incredible guitar player or singer athlete or something like that. So you're just not interesting. Cause I think that comes up when a lot of people are doing that identity exploration is they're just, they feel like they're not special. They're not interesting. So that's my sort of take on that is like, none of us are special and we're all special, but you know, own your stuff and, and allow yourself to explore. If you feel like your life is too, two dimensional, do something about it. You're free to do that. So if I were, if you're comfortable, if I were to ask you, what's something about you that people might be surprised to know that's kind of a cool, fun fact? Well, they they may not be surprised that they paid a lot of attention to my Instagram recently, but I, in the past few months, have started playing the cello. And it's excruciating because most of the sounds that I make are not very pretty. (laughs) (laughs) But it's kind of a way that I'm practicing perseverance and you know, and at some of the sounds are like a little bit better. And so that's, and I just am obsessed with Celtic culture and music and Scotland and like all of that and have practiced Druidry. And so I'm, yeah, very into that. That's a, a thing that I have going on recently. Wow. That is a very cool, fun fact. You don't hear many adults start to play the cello. That's really cool. Thank you. And I know a fun fact about you that you shared in my pre-interview form, which is uh, that you are a 1970s and 80s music nut. Yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I kick anybody's ass in trivia. Do you, is it even possible for you to have like a favorite favorite or is that asking too much? Yeah, that's asking a lot. Pretty much okay. So I'm pretty much seventy seventies easy listening. Michael McDonald, Kenny Loggins, The Eagles. That's kind of my jam. I I am really really good with eighties music too because that's the era when I grew up. But I am I'm also a, a music trivia person, so I can tell you I could pretty much answer any music trivia question. Oh, how fun! Seventies and or eighties. So I'm a really good person to have at trivia night when that's the category. And that's one thing for a long time also that I I didn't necessarily own where I, I don't listen to current music and I haven't for now. Mm. What's, what is it, the 70s was a while ago. I don't know. I'm not that great at math either. So I don't know. It was a while ago. <laughs> and I it, it felt kind of embarrassing. Like, no, I don't know who just I was somewhere over the fall and someone was talking about Ed Sheeran. And I'm like, who? And they were like, <laughs> I don't know who it is. I'm like, I no, I really don't. I don't know current music. Yeah. And I don't apologize for it anymore. This is what I listen to. I, you know, I don't deviate. And that's what it is. Yeah. I love that. And okay. I'm just letting letting a bias show real quick. On one hand, people who are just easygoing, I'm not saying that's wrong because I know a lot of times it's genuine, it's authentic. Like I'm not here to say that's bad. However, I do think that it's worth developing some taste and developing some opinions, right? So with that said, it drives me nuts when I hear people say like, like you ask them what kind of music they like and they're like, oh, I kind of like whatever. Like, what the hell does that mean? Like, whatever. That's not- well, you might have a broad 
you know, repertoire of taste, but you don't commit. like whatever. Commit to something. I want to know too, like <laughs> what's your favorite movie of all time? Or at least your first top three. Come yes. on. Like, Jaws, Goodfellas. Come on. Like the, have an you, opinion. What are your top three TV shows of all time? You need to have that. And to me, that's a way of what how, your sense of self. How well do you yes. know yourself? And even yes. if it's unpopular, right? Like your yes. favorite show of all times. Like I've seen every episode of The Facts of Life at least 500 times. I can recite them all. <laughs> okay, I'm probably alone in that. But that is something about me that is different and unique. And I own it. And I, I just, I... I, I want to impress upon women. You are. There's nothing wrong with who you are. Own every aspect of you and lead with your bold energy. Amen. Mic drop. Love it. Amazing. <laughs> so this will be in the show notes. But tell people where they can find you online and remind them what you're offering. Okay. So you can find me everywhere because I have taken the plunge into social media. My website, Coaching with Elise, A L Y S E. Uh, I do have a free, my free secret weapon dating guide there. And I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Yes. yes. TikTok says the girl who doesn't listen to anything but 70s music is on <laughs> So you can find me at Coaching with Elise. And then my therapy side is AFC Therapy. That's So I've got two accounts. So I got a lot going on. Amazing. And Elise is A-L-Y-S-E. But again, all that will be in the show notes. So look her up. This has been so much fun. I feel like we're new friends. So (laughs) this will not be the last conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Hell yeah, friend, you made it to the end. I so appreciate you tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode, make my day by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating to help other people find this podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to grab my free resource, The Procrastination Prescription, and access the five steps I take myself through every time I'm stuck in what I call procrastinoidance hell. Go to bit.ly slash procrastination tool to access it now. That's bit.ly slash procrastination tool, all lowercase. You can follow my antics on TikTok at Bad Bitch Therapist and on Instagram at the same, but with dots between the words. Thanks so much for being here. Now go out there and have a great fucking day.